Hey everyone, how you doing? This is Amon Green, Green Bay Packers all-time leading rusher, and you're listening to The Average Cheese, hosted by Dell and Todd, two lifelong Packer fans talking about their favorite team, the 13-time champion, Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! Welcome to episode 118 of the Average Cheese Podcast. I'm Dale Lova. Peter Jones is with me. No Todd. It is the two-thirds version of the Average Cheese. Peter, good evening to you. How are you today? Good evening to you. I guess that's, yeah, what's that? Just a few cheese slices or something, is it? Yeah, two-thirds of a block of cheese. Thanks to Rhonda and the folks at r Management. Thanks to Dwight at ddgcustoms.com. And thanks to Dan and the folks at Bob Anderson Builders. Peter, it is episode 118. Who is episode 118? Well, I think the first name that comes to mind, I think, when you think of Packers 18 would be Rand- would be Randall Cobb. Typically, I try and shy away from the current players because we'll get round to episode 218 when he's yeah. no longer playing or playing for the Jets or wherever he might, he might be playing be. still. Yeah, he point. might well. <laughs> who knows? Yeah, we'll go back in time and our number 18 is Tobin Rote, who played quarterback for the Packers in, in the 1950s and was basically the Packers quarterback before Bart Starr. So he played for the Packers from 50 to 56 and Bart was was drafted in in in, in 56. He's actually one of the better quarterbacks who's not really talked about in Packers history. So we kind of know the top four or five, the Favs, the Stars, the the Brett Favs and whatever, Herber, Isbell, Tobin Roach in that group after that, alongside Lynn Dickey, I would, I would say. And he was as much a great runner as he was a passer, but led the NFL in passing yards a few times in his career, rushed for more than 500 yards one season. Yeah, second round pick of the Packers in, 19, in 1950. Really, really good player. Went from the Packers to the Detroit Lions and led the Detroit Lions to their last NFL title in 1957. So that's really his claim to fame in NFL history, but spent a lot more time with with Green Bay than he did with the Lions. Threw four touchdown passes and ran for another in that championship game for the Lions in, in 57. And the Lions shellacked the Browns. They, they put up 50 or more in that game. Wow. It ought to be a name that's on the tip of the tongue of Lions fans as the last man to lead them to a to a title. But certainly a very good quarterback for the Packers in the, in the 1950s. Like I say, just preceded that time period when Bart Starr and Vince Lombardi came along. And Tobin Rope, Texas guy, nice, nice player. I'm going to use that. Tobin <laughs> Rope was the last guy to quarterback the Detroit Lions to a championship. Packer, yeah. and, and everybody thinks, yeah, and everybody thinks of Bobby Lane. And Bobby Lane led the Lions to a championship earlier in the 50s, but was injured by the time the 57 season came around and it was Tobin Rote that led them to that title. It suddenly occurred to me, of course, my dear friend Red Cochran was the offensive backfield coach for the Lions when they won that total, title in 57. But, oh, man. <laughs> You're pulling all kinds of interesting information out today. That's, That's awesome. Yeah, key part of Packers history, Tobin Rote. 
when the Packers drafted Bart Starr, because he was drafted late, that was sort of a flyer, right? They weren't trying to very, replace Tobin Rowe. No, they very, were just very, picking a guy. Very, very much so. I think once you got to the 17th round where, where Bart Starr went, it very much was a flyer. And, you know, Bart was, well, obviously, as we know, he turned out to be much better than that. But he was better than that coming out of college, but had been injured. I think we talked about this before, yeah. had been injured. Yes, yeah, so I probably would have gone higher. That must have been a very serious back injury to make a guy who clearly was a talented quarterback last that long. Now, you had said, uh, I know this is the Tobin wrote episode and not the Bart Starr episode, but you had said that he had missed his entire junior year. I wasn't around then and neither were you, but the Packers have been blessed with amazing quarterback play. You know, when you look back, through the entire history of the franchise. I mean, there's been some clunkers. We talked about Randy Wright and so on, and David Whitehurst and Rich Campbell and a bunch of clowns, right? But overall, I was counting at one time, and I don't remember what the number is, the amount of starting quarterbacks the Packers have had in the history of the franchise. I wish I had that number written down because it's an, an alarmingly small amount of guys who have started for a team who has been around for over 100 years. You would think yep. that it'd be a much higher number than it is. And I feel like I need to go back and count them up again. And as you would expect, when you think about it, when you have the level of success in decades that the Packers have had, you generally have stability at the quarterback position. And when they've struggled, when you take like the 1970s and they were going through the John Hadels and Scott Hunters and various people, they were going, and, and again, towards you know the end of the 80s after Lynn Dickey was cut after the 85 season, they were going through quarterbacks like there was no tomorrow. And that happens on bad teams, doesn't it? And you, yeah. and you see that with, with bad teams today. They go through quarterbacks like there's no tomorrow until they can get that stability. And I, and I guess there's always a bit of a question. I guess it's easy when you have Hall of Fame level play, like an Aaron Rodgers or a Patrick Mahomes or whatever. I guess the question is when you have a good but not great quarterback is what comes first? Does the stability at quarterback lead to the winning or does the winning give you that stability at quarterback? That's a really good point. I feel like it, I know you're not asking, but I feel like it is the stability at quarterback that gives you then a winning franchise. What's the guy's name on Good Morning Football? Kyle, Kyle Brandt, Brandt. Who I thought for sure was related to Andrew Brandt. I thought they were related. They are not. Kyle Brandt put something out like, hey, Packers fans, you've been spoiled and blah, blah, blah. And I said something because I, I old guyed on him and said that, you know, I was I saw Lynn Dickey and, and so on, who was a good quarterback. Don Mikowski, who was a good quarterback. He was saying that basically we've, we've only had, you know, Hall of Fame quarterback play throughout our entire lifetimes, which for us old guys, it's not true. Dickey was a good quarterback, but because of his injuries, was not allowed to be like a stable presence for the Packers. Mikowski, same, right? I would say that, now granted, we ended up with Brett Favre, but Don Mikowski, when healthy, I think would have been stable enough. And that would have been an interesting thing because we have been very good through Favre. We've been very good through Starr. We've been very good through Rodgers because they've been Hall of Fame quarterbacks. We've never had a good quarterback in my lifetime for an extended amount of time. We've had a great quarterback or shit. We've had one side or the other. And that's a great point. You know, Mikowski had that one fantastic year. But like you say, was hurt, did his shoulder, did the rotator cuff in his shoulder and was never quite the same. Lynn Dickey was, was good. But like you say, injuries severely affected 
his career. Yeah. I'm hoping we go to another Hall of Fame quarterback and I never have to worry about it for the next (laughs) 10 years. (laughs) Let's go Jordan Love. All right. So we have some questions from friends. Let's start with this. So Chris Kampowski asked this even before I asked for questions. So I appreciate it. He says, hypothetical, of course, but what happens if the Packers can't agree to terms with the Jets? Does Rodgers retire? Does he play half-ass for a team that doesn't want him? Or does he go scorched earth because you know how Aaron Rodgers is always going to need that external motivation because he's ticked off at the Packers? Thoughts? As convinced as I could be. And I, you know, I've gone back and forth on this, I guess, since the first season finished, and I think lots of us have. But I was convinced as I could be three or four weeks ago, and we talked about it on this show, that Rodgers was going to retire based on nothing at all other than my gut feeling at that time. And your gut was right, by the way, because remember Aaron said when he came out of the darkness, he was 90% going to retire, which is not So true. my gut was 90% right. <laughs> exactly. At the time. Exactly. <laughs> um, now, given I think that he's made the decision that he wants to play, albeit he wants to play with the, with, with the Jets, or that's his intention to play with the Jets, I know that there's various people saying that if that doesn't work out, if the trade doesn't work out for, for, for some reason, that they think he'll retire. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure that he'll want to leave now on, on that basis. I think he may yet come back to the Packers if that trade if that trade doesn't happen. And that's going to be a very difficult situation all round. Without 100% saying it, I mean, the Packers have made it, I think, as clear as they can that they want to move on to Jordan Love. That's not a reflection on a great player's career. It's the situation now. But yeah, I think I think if, the tr- if nothing happens with the trade, if it doesn't happen, I think he comes back to the Packers and, cre- and, and it's going to be a problem. And it's as much a problem the Packers have created as, as he has, to be honest. It um, really surprises me that you say that because I thought for sure you would say that he's going to retire because of what you said previous. I know you're not going to believe this, but I think he'll retire. <laughs> <laughs> Which is something I said he would never do. You know, the year that Tom Brady retired, I said, there's no way he does that. I don't think, yeah, yeah. My gut says he will retire. Which is weird, because I've said all along he would never retire. But that's just, I feel like the way he is. He wouldn't want to feel like he wasn't welcome. And I think he feels like he is not welcome. Chris, thanks for the question. It's a good one. Because right now, that's where we're at, right? Like, we're in this... <laughs> Middle ground, this middle earth. We have no idea what's going to happen with the Packers. No idea what's going to happen with the Jets. As of right now, neither one is budging or we'd have a deal right now. We have two more questions. First one from Jack. He says, Aaron to the Jets has been a clear talking point. Is a first round pick the minimum for an aging quarterback on his way out? I say the Packers must get a first round pick for Aaron Rodgers. Even if it's next year, if it's conditional first round pick because he plays, I'm not sure Hmm. that the Jets will give up a first round pick this year, the 13 pick. But I think that they will ask for the backside because they think they're going to be better. Right. If Aaron Rodgers is their quarterback, then it's likely that they will have a better record and they will pick later in the draft. And they'd be happy to give up the 22 or the 25 or wherever they end up. Peter, do you want to? Chime in on that first round pick, the minimum for you? No, it isn't. I think that 
pretty certain it was Ken Ingalls that made this point on Twitter a few days ago, that when you trade for a player in this era, you're not just trading for the player, that you're trading for his contract as well. And I think that because of the contract extension that Rogers signed around this time last year, I think his, his draft pick compensation value goes down severely. My gut, and I've been saying it for a little while and posting it on social media now, is that I think it's something like a second round pick this year and a conditional third rounder next year and a conditional third rounder in 2025. Those third rounders could go up if, for example, he led the Jets to the Super Bowl. But I think that's the kind of region that we're talking about. And I think if they got a first rounder, I think the Packers have done really well. And if they get kind of less compensation than I've just talked about, I think they've done not so well. So I think that's kind of the, my par for the course is a second and two conditional third rounders. My God, Peter, though, two third rounders. You know what that means, right? It means we're not getting anything for them. We're getting a second rounder or nothing at all. That better not fucking happen. <laughs> Jack has two parts to his question. Here's the other part. Do you think the Packers are talking to other teams behind closed doors to see if they can get the most out of a deal for Rodgers in case the Jets deal falls through? What a great question that is. You would think in an ideal world, yes, but I just don't know. I just can't gauge whether there are any other teams out there that have got any interest whatsoever. You know, some of the teams that you thought perhaps could have, like the Raiders, of signed quarterbacks, you know, Derek Carr's gone to the Saints and, and, and all of that stuff. So, so teams that potentially could. The one that keeps coming to my mind is the Houston Texans. I just don't know because I think that they're going to have this same draft pick compensation problem, I think, with it, any team that they talk to. And I think that's the issue. I think that the contract is a difficult one for other teams to take on. And it's not about the cap hit while he's playing. It's about the cap hit the first year he doesn't play. That's a difficult one for other teams to take on. And unless that contract's reworked, I'm not sure that there are other teams in the mix here. I was trying to think, you think like Carolina, if they decide to pick Anthony Richardson, but they've given away everything else. Like they've basically sold out so that their future is bright. They've gotten rid of all their contracts and basically all their talent. I don't know that Aaron Rodgers would want to go there. And I think with Houston, I think you have the same problem. Do they have yeah. any skill talent on the offensive side of the ball? The answer is no. Uh, the Raiders, I think still, I don't know why the Raiders always come up as a destination with Jimmy Garoppolo. Now you've that ship has sailed Indianapolis, maybe. Yeah, that's the other one. You're absolutely right. That's the other one. And and I guess this isn't a Rogers question because ultimately he doesn't have a no trade clause, so it's so it's not in his hands. But you have to imagine that Rogers is gonna go want to go to somewhere where he can win now. Yeah. And the Jets and, and you would also imagine that actually a team trading for him that's gonna give up a number of picks, whatever they are, would have to be in win now mode, wouldn't they? Because yeah. you're getting a player for a year, two years three years probably at the most. The only thing that you can think of with a let's say an Indianapolis, for example, who hold the what the number four pick in the in the draft, they could take a quarterback there and have them sit behind yeah. Aaron Rodgers for a year for a year or two. Exactly. But, yeah. Which leads contract- to our next question, Peter. Well, <laughs> great segue right there. Paul asks the best quarterback prospects almost get always get picked by the bad teams and play too soon. In recent history, which of these players, now he didn't mention any players, but which players do you think would be the greatest beneficiaries of sitting for three years, two, three years, like Jordan Love did? Let me think about that one. You 
an answer to that one? I'll let you I answer do. that one first. Okay. I mean, I don't have a, I do have a specific answer. And a specific answer would be Justin Fields. And I feel like they tried to do that when they signed Andy Dalton. But I think every quarterback should do that, at least sit a year. Now, there have been the Joe Burrows and the Patrick Mahomes. Like, there are guys that have come out of the gate and they are NFL ready. But how NFL ready are they usually? I think Justin Fields should have sat an entire year. I think that they have hindered his development and him physically by putting him out there and having him get killed. I think that he has not the David Carr yips, but I think he is starting to go that route where he is starting to see shadows and he's starting to run with the ball too often. I think he's uber talented. I think that they should have sat him for an entire year or more to make sure that he could play. Justin Fields is like exhibit A, but there's probably 50 more that could have been David Carr, the guy I just talked about. If he would have had a chance to actually sit behind someone, learn the game, you know, while they built an offensive line so he didn't get sacked 700 times a season, I think David Carr would have been a decent NFL quarterback. I think there's a lot of guys in that boat. It's a really interesting one. And, you know, I've long since believed that with the odd exception, and there are some exceptions, but I've long since believed that the worst thing that can happen to the best quarterback prospect coming out of college is to be picked by the team that's picking number one. Because mm-hmm. they're the because worst by, team. Because by definition, they're the worst team, barring a trade. And you, and you look at some of the guys. Now, I don't know whether these guys would have worked out if had the opportunity to sit or gone to different teams, but they probably would have had a better chance. Guys that, that were drafted number one overall, and you've just named one, David Carr, went to an expansion franchise, had to start straight away, very difficult. But, you know, there's whole bunches of guys like Jamarcus Russell and Sam Bradford and Jameis Winston and, you know, even Baker Mayfield, who had some success at Cleveland. But the guy that comes to my mind is the guy from that draft that Baker Mayfield was taken in, and that's Sam Darnold. You know, I think that Sam Darnold had pretty much all the tools that you look for in a quarterback coming out of college, went to a bad team, and not only went to a bad team, was thrown in and started straight away. Eventually, your confidence starts starts to wane. You begin to doubt. No matter how confident you are, you start to doubt yourself, and all of that stuff kicks in, and it's really difficult. Sam Darnold was the first name that came to, that came to my mind. Well, Zach Wilson. Did Zach Wilson Zach, start Zach right Wilson. away? Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, he, he would have done. An entire he was year. injured early, wasn't he? But, you know, you know, and look at Trevor Lawrence. The first year was bad under uh, Urban Meyer. Now, what if Urban Meyer had stayed and they'd played last year under Urban Meyer at coach? They may have been just as bad last year as they were the previous year. Mm-hmm. And then people, not only does the player start to doubt himself, other people start to doubt him. The media gets on his back. The fans get on it. But before you know it. Career you know, over. Pl- yeah. Yeah. You know, and one of the greatest got my history hat on now, but one of the greatest stories for that is Jim Plunkett, who won the Heisman Trophy, you know, was was drafted back in the early 70s, bounced around the league, was drafted by the Patriots, I believe, mm-hmm. back in 1970 or 71, had a couple of good years, then, then struggled, went to the 49ers, struggled, and then ended up with the Raiders, Raiders and started yeah. winning Super Bowls, won two Super Bowls in about his 11th, 12th or 13th yeah. year. It's a great question, and that history of quarterbacks going early. I mean, if you look at, I'm jumping around here, but we look back at that 2018 draft that Mayfield went in and Sam Darnold went in. The most successful quarterback has been Lamar Jackson, who went 20 
fifth or whatever it was in the first round of that draft because he went to a good team. There's something to be said for that. Having the pieces around you, especially when you're a young guy, you're trying to do too much. You throw the ball to the wrong team a bunch of times and it goes with what you said. Now you're doubting yourself. Everybody doubts you and you suck. And relate that back to Packer history. And this is what I think people don't necessarily always think about when they start comparing Packers quarterbacks. Think about how bad the team was that Brett Favre went into. And he didn't sit for three years. He had that one year in in Atlanta Atlanta. throwing throwing balls into the stand. Yeah, Jerry Glanville seeing how far he could throw them. And that's something that shouldn't be forgotten. Brett Favre came into a into a team that would have one winning season in a decade. That's quite something. How bad that that team that team was. You know, that was a six and ten team the year before. And I mean, that's just something I think you have to consider when you think when you start doing comparisons, which you hate to do, but you start comparing people's careers and stuff. You know, Aaron Rodgers took over a team that had gone to the NFC Championship game the year before in two thousand and seven, and Brett Favre took over a team that had had one winning season in 10 years. And then the Packers won six games with Rodgers. Six and 10 they went, yeah. So that goes, okay, so that moves to our next question from our (laughs) friends from Zero Doinks. And this is a great question. 2008, Aaron Rodgers, his first season as the starting quarterback, won six games. The question is, will Aaron Rodgers have better numbers than Jordan Love or vice versa? So it's touchdowns, interceptions. I will pull it up while you are thinking about this but let's start with wins will jordan Ooh, love jordan. Win more yes so he will win more than six games i would tend to agree with that i feel like the roster is good enough they should win more than six games next year who knows what the north is going to look like right next year it's really strange and it is and you look at the bears have made a lot of acquisitions in free agency picked up dj moore They've got still got a high draft pick. You know, the Bears are definitely a team on the on the rise. It's just how far are they going to rise? And the same with the Lions. They've made some moves in free agency again. So we yeah, exactly. We don't know what the North's going to look like next year. And Chicago has spent a buttload of money. Like they took all their money that they had saved. They're like, yep, time to spend it all. Okay, the next one is touchdowns. So the question is, how many touchdowns did Aaron Rodgers throw in 2008, right? Yes, 28. So the over-under on touchdowns thrown is 28. So will Jordan Love throw more than 28 touchdowns in a 17-game season? So he's got an extra game to do so. So this is, I think, a no. And I think it's it's a no because I think they're going to rely on Aaron Jones, who knows how to find the end zone. You know, Jones scores a disproportionate number of touchdowns anyway. So I think... I think Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, the running game. So, no, I don't think he will throw to as many as 28 touchdown passes. Aaron Rodgers had 13 interceptions in 2008. Will Jordan Love throw more interceptions than 13 or less? So the first thing to note is this is Aaron Rodgers' first year as a starter. He threw more interceptions this year than he did in any other year. By that token, you would expect, hope, or project that Jordan Love may throw more touch, more interceptions in 2023 than he does in, in any future year. I think he'll throw more than 13. I also think he will throw, unfortunately, more than 13 interceptions, and Todd is going to make sure we remember every one of them. 
I feel like he's going to have more. As, as long as it's not like 13 through the first four games or something. Yes, that better not happen. <laughs> Holy smokes. Whatever charity we're cussing for next year, <laughs> we'll be happy. Aaron Rodgers fumbled the ball 10 times as a rookie starter. Not as a rookie, as a first-year starter. Over under 10. Less. I think so, too. I think that he is Jordan Love, for lack of a better term, Looks more poised back there in the limited snaps I've watched than Aaron Rodgers did as a first-year starter. Yeah, and I think that that this term gets a bit overplayed and a bit overblown playing within the system, but I think he will play within the system, and I think the ball will come out a lot quicker than typically Aaron Rodgers has done across his whole career. So I think there's going to be a lot more three-step drops, bang the balls out of there next season than, than we've seen over Rodgers' career. 207 rushing yards. Love is mobile, but he's but he's not he's not Lamar Jackson. You know, he'll pick up yards when he has to on the ground, but he but he's but he's not he's not a runner. I'm gonna say less. I don't think it will be a lot less, but I think it will be less. You and I are on the same page. I think it will be less also. I think he will when he has to run, he will yeah. run. Yeah. He will not force running because he doesn't feel comfortable in the pocket. What I was going to say is Justin Fields for zero doinks, guys. Justin Fields might have that in one game. He might. 207. <laughs> Let's hope he does. Not against the Packers. And the last one is passing yards, 4,038 passing yards. I'm going to say less. You know, that 4,000 <laughs> 4, mark is still quite a mark to reach, even in a 17-game season under today's rules. But I don't think it will be a lot less. If he plays 17 games, I'd be going for it's about 3,800, that kind of number. I also say less. You and I are on the same page for all of these things. Packers will try to run the ball more and keep it a little closer to the vest. And I think that I think he's going to struggle in a game or two. You know, he's his first-year starter. I think there will be some clunkers where he throws for 150 yards or 170 yards, and that's going to make it difficult to get to 4,000. Dan, Bill, thank you. That was a great question. Really appreciate it. Can we talk about... Pat McAfee for a second. I love when the Packer fans come together. It is very rare recently that we come together. Usually we're arguing with each other over whatever it is. So Pat McAfee on his show, he's talking, I think Ian Rappaport. And he basically says, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, that Brian Gutekunst is a not smart GM. And he was comparing it to Joe Douglas, the GM of the Jets, and he insinuated that Joe Douglas was a good GM or a smart GM, and Brian Gutekunst was a less than smart GM. It is really difficult to follow that train of thought other than McAfee is taking up for his boy Aaron Rodgers. Pat McAfee is an Aaron Rodgers fan, not a Packer fan. So he's going to defend his guy by breaking down the Packers GM. Thoughts on any of that? I think that things like that, are, are it's easy to say this GM's better than that GM or this GM's not smart or that GM's smarter than that one. And the reason it's relatively easy to say, there's no easy way of measuring that being wrong. Right? There aren't facts that can prove that other than the only fact is 
wins and losses on the on the football field. And you can then make the argument, well, that's not all about the GM. It's how well the players are coached and all, and all of that stuff. But that is the only measurement we have. On that basis, Gooty's record's pretty damn good mm-hmm. since, he, since he became GM. Now, we can, and, you know, we do it all the time, we can look back at this draft pick and that draft pick and this move that was made and that move that was made and say and imagine that we would have won We'd have won three more games if we'd have got a wide receiver or we'd have won us. Nobody knows that, to be fair. And that might have been um, the case, but yeah, we don't know. I think it's really difficult to, to A, make a, an objective judgment about that and B, in my view, it's a completely unnecessary conversation. You know, it's, it, 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 why is that conversation coming up now? Probably exactly as you've just suggested. It, He's back in his boy, yeah. It was interesting because Ian Rappaport was kind of like, whoa, he was not diving into that and not agreeing at all with McAfee. I think my favorite part of this whole mess is that McAfee came back on and he's like, oh, Packer fans buried me this weekend. Yeah, you dipshit. Like you said some dumb stuff. When you say dumb things, especially with 2.8 million followers or whatever you have, you're going to get vilified for that. You're just going to. It made no sense other than I'm Aaron Rodgers' buddy. Did the Packers have a better roster in 2018 than when Joe Douglas became the GM of the Jets? I don't fucking know. I don't even know when Joe Douglas became the GM of the Jets, so I don't really care. I will say that the 2018 Packers were not great. Some people have been upset with the with the with the selection of Jordan Love, for example, in 2020 in the first round. That was a bad pick. And Joe Douglas took Zach Wilson with the second overall pick last year. How's that working for you? Yeah. And now they're trying and, and, to find another quarterback. Yeah. Already. Yeah. So so you could always find a reason to say, actually, that might not be the case. When you say some dumb shit, Pat, can I call you Pat? Then you are gonna eat shit, especially from Packer fans. It's sour grapes, Patrick McBlockafee, blocking all those Packer fans. (laughs) We are not blocked, though. The average cheese has not pissed off Patrick McAfee, so we're still good. The last thing I want to talk about was the leverage in this Packers trade. Now, we've heard from a lot of people on Twitter. I've read a lot of stuff, but they're just people on Twitter. But Andrew Brandt, who I would consider an expert in things like this, put it out there what he thought about the leverage between the Jets and the Packers. And he says this, leverage lies with the negotiating party that is most satisfied with the status quo. In your opinion, and I hope I would assume we have the same opinion, it's the Packers who would be perfectly fine with bringing Aaron Rodgers back, disgruntled or not. Whereas the Jets have Zach Wilson, they no longer have Mike White, they might have Joe Flacco if he decides to sign as a free agent. They are have they have Zach Wilson and that's it. Wouldn't that be Packers leverage right there? I haven't read that article, but I but I 100% agree with his inference that it's about which team would be in a better position. And this is the case with any kind of negotiation and leverage in any negotiation is Who's in the better position if the thing doesn't happen? But I think the difficulty the Packers have is is what do they do if Rogers comes back? And I think that's the 
Obviously, if the trade doesn't happen, the Packers end up with a future Hall of Fame quarterback back on their roster. They've clearly got the better quarterback out of the two teams without without question. It just raises a whole different set of concerns for the for questions for the Packers that they're gonna have to to have to deal with. Whilst I think that leverage is in the Packers' favour, I don't think it's hugely in the Packers' favour because I don't think that's a situation they want to get into. No, they absolutely don't, right? That's a t- complete mess. Aaron Rodgers coming back to Green Bay, not wanting to play. Do you sit him on the bench and pay him $60 million to not play? And if you think of, whilst it's not the same, there is some similarity with the Brett Favre situation in that Favre retired after the 2007 season you know, they went through all of that stuff, the, the press conference, the tearful press conference. They then went into Aaron Rodgers is, is our starter going forwards, et cetera, et cetera. Lo and behold, Brett Favre comes back and creates the situation where where the team has to do something. And that's similar to what would happen here. But I, but I think the Packers' urgency to have to do something here if Rodgers comes back is even greater because they cannot move forward, I believe, with both Rodgers and Love in 2023. But the Jets have gone out and signed Alan Lazard. Like, they've already started yeah. to do, like, check the boxes on Aaron's wish list. But that would be even funnier if they signed even more of the guys on his wish right, list. Right, Mercedes Lewis, Lewis, Randall yeah. Cobb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be spectacular. Um, uh, no, he ain't coming. And you have to believe the more of those guys they sign, the more leverage does go to the Packers in that situation. Because clearly, yeah, they've dug themselves a big old hole. Yeah. So the last thing I wanted to talk about was free agency because the Bears again have signed a boatload of players. I'm not sure that it makes them all that much better. The Packers have lost Alan Lazard. They've lost Jaron Reed, Jaron Reed. I always say Jaron. I'm not sure that's how you say it. Dean Lowry is now a Viking, which is. Oh, my. I hope we put him on roller skates and just run right over the top of Dean this year. Keyshawn, zero fucks. Nixon is back. I'm super excited about that. $4 million. The man is underpaid. I am absolutely getting a jersey, little Rob, but I don't think the Packers will let me put zero fucks on the back of it from Packers.com. So I'll figure out a different way to make that happen. The Packers signed a long snapper from the Rams to a three-year contract. He better be fucking awesome. For three years, big Bob Tanyan signed with the Bears for $2.65 million. Let's talk about that in a minute. I did not know that Rudy Ford's name was Jonathan. That really threw me off. I'm like, Jonathan Ford? I got two Jonathan Fords on the fucking roster? Rudy Ford's name is Jonathan. Lesson learned. And Tavarius Moore, who I assume is a special teamer coming over from San Francisco, signed on a one-year deal with like zero guaranteed money i'm sorry i just ran through the whole list but any guys that intrigue you you know as packers fans if there was one free agent that we all wanted to see back it was Keyshawn nixon mm-hmm. so so they've ticked the you know they ticked the first box in terms of the guys that they've lost sure you know you like to have your own guys back you'd like to have alan lazard back for example but not that kind of money the packers have kind of pretty much stayed pat, haven't they? You know, Nixon's back and they've lost one or two guys, but you don't feel like the roster is significantly worse through this free agency period. Perhaps the one player that they wouldn't, us as fans, wouldn't have liked them to have lost was Bobby Tonyan. And a lot of that's because of the position. So we feel like the tight end group's already weak and you've potentially lost. Well, you've lost a guy that, you know, has caught 50 passes in two separate seasons as a pack of tight end, which happened 
doesn't happen very often in Packer history. You know, that's clearly a position where the Packers have a need and they had a need before he went and now they have an even greater need. So look to the draft, I think. Let's turn it around. Let's let's say, would you have, if you could have chosen to have either Keyshawn Nixon or, or Robert Tonyan back, you'd have only had one. Which one would it have been? All day, it's not Robert Tanyan. Right. It is Keyshawn so Nixon because he's a difference maker, whereas I'm not sure that Tanyan is longer. He's not a difference maker anymore. Got the guy back that we all hoped would be back. I think what makes it more difficult is that we see the Bears making moves. We see the Lions making moves. We see the Vikings making moves. And that's that always makes it difficult. We think everybody else is improving their team, but only... Only time will will tell there. The Packers don't have a great deal of cap space to you know to play in free agency anyway. With the Rogers situation right now, they don't quite know what that cap space is going to look like, so they have to be they have to be cautious. I think this is just a they're pretty much as they were situation for the Packers coming in coming into free agency. They may make a move or two. But you talked about some of the guys, the long snapper and the safety special teams guy more that they picked up. They may make one or two more moves like that. But, but I don't think there's a big splash coming. Just when I look down this list, I'm happy that Alan Lazard got that money. He's overpaid, but so was MVS. Goes back to what Mike Wall said on episode, whatever it was, 112. Aaron Rodgers is making people money. $22 million in guaranteed money. And again, I'm happy for Alan Lazard. There is zero chance the Packers were going to come close to that kind of money. And they shouldn't have. Alan Lazard is a good two or three. You know what he's going to do. You've seen what he's going to do. He's going to put his hands on guys in the run game. He's going to mangle people. He's pretty reliable catching the football, but he's not going to run away from anybody. And if he doesn't play with Aaron Rodgers next year, if Zach Wilson is the quarterback of the New York Jets next year, I'll put up money that Alan Lazard will not catch more than 50 balls. I just don't think he gets the separation. Zach Wilson will never be able to find him out there because he'll be covered by somebody. The one guy I wish, if other than Keyshawn Nixon, is Reed, Jaron Reed. I think he is a serviceable player. Two years at $9 million, I could have lived with that. I guess that means that Devontae White, is, it's his time. Does it mean that the Packers are going to go back to the well and pick another defensive lineman in round one, two, or three? Maybe. You know, there's a lot of things the Packers can do, but they don't have a ton of depth. They lost Lowry and Reed. Other thoughts other than what we just talked about? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree with Reed, and I, and I think that I don't think the Packers probably feel they need huge amounts of depth on the defensive line because they play a two-man line a lot. You know, the, the the two outside backers, which is which is also where they need to get some more depth on the edge guys. I think they probably feel those guys are more important. You know, that does lead us to the draft, and that does lead us to think again. Packers can pretty much pick almost any position at pick 15 to help the team. You know, this obviously the one or two positions you're not going to pick, but but most of the, you know, you can pick the best player available at edge, at wide receiver, at tight end, oh, at defensive see. line, at, at yes. tackle, at corner. And, and all of those could immediately help the team. I'm jumping around here. It would not surprise me at all if that pick is tackle or corner. Yeah, you did say because corner last week, and now you're adding tackle to that mix. Corner because A, you can never have enough of those guys. And B, as you mentioned earlier, somebody's going to end up at safety like Russell Douglas. So you're going to need that that ex- extra guy. And tackle just because, you, A, again, you can never have enough of those offensive linemen. David Bakhtiari is. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that eventually you're going to be looking, even if Bakhtiari plays another 
couple of years, you're look, going to be looking at, at a new left tackle at some point. So I had to bring this up, and this is not Packer related, but it's absolutely bonkers to me. Jaron Reed signs with the Seahawks again, back with the Seahawks, two years, $9 million. He's 30 years old. I think he had three sacks last year, something like that, 30 tackles, right around there. Dalvin Tomlinson, who played for the Minnesota Vikings, who is 29 years old, signed for four years, $57 million with the Cleveland Browns. What? He has worse stats than Jaron Reed, who signed for much, much less. That is a stupid contract. Oh, my gosh. I don't know what the Browns thought they were doing, but that's bananas to me. $27.5 million guaranteed. My gosh. (laughs) I don't even know what to say about that. When I was on NFL Data the other day, we were talking about who's the best team in the North. And as of right now, who would you say the best team in the North is? With the rosters they have right now today before the draft, you don't know what they're going to do in the draft. Who wins the North? I still think it's probably just about Minnesota, but I think that gap is getting closer to all all four teams. So I was toying between Minnesota and Detroit, if I was really honest. And part of the thing with Detroit that you have to look at is not just their overall record last year, but their record once they once they got over the initial hump of last season, they went like seven and one or some ridiculous record towards the end of the season, seven and two in the last nine games or something like that. I think the thing that holds you back for both of those teams is the is the quarterback. That's the thing that you think about is well, how good is Kirk Cousins? How good is Jared Goff? But to be fair to both of those guys, even if they wouldn't be your first choice of quarterback for your team, they've both won when they've had the weapons around them. Jared Goff's been to a Super Bowl, for goodness sake. Yes, with all the weapons around him and whatever else, but he's been, still been good enough to get your team to a Super Bowl. But yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I, right now, I think it's Vikings, Lions, Packers, Bears in that order. But, but I don't think there's a lot between them. There isn't, right? Because the Vikings have lost Dalvin Tomlinson, Adam Thielen. They're trying to move Dalvin Cook. And if they do that, then we've got a different story. They've lost Patrick Peterson. I don't know if I just said his name. Eric Kendricks. They've lost a lot of dudes that wasn't very good on defense, and now they've lost a lot of defensive players. They're going to be very young on defense this year, which might be a good thing, actually. But the Lions, they're the best team. God help us if that dude that slipped is going to slip down the draft from Georgia, if he, that defensive lineman whose name I can't think of right now. Oh, Jalen Carter. Jaylen, if he slips to the freaking Lions, holy shit, we got a problem. Actually, if he slips to the Bears, too, at nine, that's a fucking problem, too. But I would say it right now it is Lions, even though their defense is not very good right now. Lions, Vikings, Bears, Packers. I don't know what the Packers are right now. Again, Aaron Rodgers is on the roster right now. So assume he comes back, then they're not the worst team. But I'm kind of assuming he's gone. So I, I, that's not fair because right now Aaron Rodgers is still a Packer. Without him, it's it's a question mark. We just don't know. I guess we'll just wrap it up then. So thanks for listening to episode 118 of the Average Cheese Podcast, the Tobin Road episode. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.